Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone Rochefort. This episode is sponsored by Squarespace, Tracker, and Movement. Um, so we're going to have a nice normal show tonight, but <laughs> it is the day after the election, and I think we're all kind of upset. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I was, um, you know, I told this story on Twitter, but I was, um, you know, I, I traveled to New York because Hillary's campaign uh, invited me there to cover it. And, you know, it was 20 feet from where she would have been if she had accepted it. And, I mean, we all know how things went. And I was checking out my hotel today. And I've been crying, and a Muslim woman got off in the elevator uh, right after I did, and she had been crying, and we just looked at each other, and we just started bawling right yeah. in public in the hotel lobby. Yeah. I didn't say a word to any either of us. It's so, been that kind of day for really me as has. well. Yep. But, Let's talk about some tech. Yeah, <laughs> we have... Yeah. Stuff for a pretty low-key news week. Lots of other stuff going on. Um, so yes. first thing up, we've got the PlayStation 4 Pro, um, yeah. which has just been reviewed, pre-reviewed, I guess, in the case of <laughs> the review I'm looking at on Polygon.com right now, my own website. Um, <laughs> so Arthur Gies did a pre-review of that for us. He's our resident guy who knows a lot of stuff about 4k and hdr and all that he is the best tv in the world i can only imagine <laughs> um so i guess the question is like what are the the measurable benefits if there are any um and then how does it change playstation vr uh, which ben kuchera did a great op-ed about that actually interviewing a few vr developers and asking them what are the actual differences in how you are rendering your game for the playstation 4 pro versus just for the playstation 4 and it does seem like in that case there are some some tangible benefits but ultimately we're still kind of conflicted on what the i guess whether the console is worth it for the everyday gamer so I have to tell you, Simone, I read uh, Ben Kachira's piece, and, you know, it's the weirdest thing with graphics programmers, because you can talk to us, and we're so good at BSing people. Yeah. We are. And I got to tell you, I read the stuff they were writing, and I'm like, that's crap. I've done that. That's crap. And I just, um, I don't know. <laughs> a I, genuine uh, side of it. A, ge- a, a real yeah. graphics programmer side of the story. Yes. <laughs> no, but I mean, so Christine, this is, I, I think you've probably seen more 4K television vision than I have. I mean, in a dev environment, I've only worked with it three or four times. Um, I personally am not convinced that 4K is really that important. I'm, I'm curious how you feel about it. Okay. So I do think 4K is important, but I think that it's more it's not the it's not the step like when we went from standard definition to high definition, that was a really, really big leap. That was a tremendous leap. I mean, even going from like SD to like, you know, what you were getting DVD, like like VHS to DVD, there was a quality difference. But when you went to HD, that was a really big difference for a lot of people. And 4K just is not that type of difference. That said, I mean, the reality is that most people, their next television that they buy will be 4K. Sure. Just because it's cheaper. And I mean, I, I've said this on the show before. Um, I have one that I got on Amazon Prime Day that's $300 that has HDR. It's not great HDR, but it has HDR and it has, you know, it's it, it's um, you know LED and it has all kinds of built-in stuff with it. And, and it was $300 TV. Wow. Um, so the prices are coming down so much. 
Having said all that, the reality is, is that most of the content you will be consuming through your 4K TV for many, many, many years is not going to be 4K. So It's an investment in a future. <laughs> well, and it's not even so much an investment in a future. It's an investment in a future that we may or may not see because of, of you know, Bree, you can speak to this more, but the amount of money that it, that it costs to be able to, to make things render better. Um, and, and for that step up, I mean, there is a real improvement, but it's, it's, it's also a cost, you know, for, for, for developers to have to re, um, uh, you know, render their games and, and, and make new assets and, um, you know, it'll come and it'll be good, but I don't think that most people, if you, I've said this before, I think that if you have a really well calibrated, you know, 1080p television, like like a, a an old Panasonic Curio, and you have it really well done, and or even one of like the Samsung um, OLEDs, which are, are are just gorgeous. And you compare that with a 4K set. Most people, unless you're at tremendous differences or you're really showing off certain content, aren't going to be able to tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, I do have to say one of the things we've learned pipe-wise, um, like as a pipeline issue in the game industry, is uh, you know now when I'm sitting there, I'm making textures or materials. We always like start actually with 4K textures, and then right. um, you know sometimes even write it within the program itself to you know downscale it on the fly. Uh, you sure. know, often when you do a final bake, it will just do all of that for you, right? Like you know by scale uh, by cubic down uh, sampling of something is relatively trivial, right? So um, sure it is uh, to a certain sure it is. well. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just a fancy Photoshop name for making an image smaller, you know. Uh, but it's an automated automated process a lot of the time. So I I think like so, Christina. There's there's a way to do better graphics that is expensive and 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 really substantive. But what our industry tends to do is to cheat it in 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 like kind of a, a low rent way. So what we tend to do is just throw more particles at stuff, you know, throw more texture resolution on it, throw on a few more complicated shader maps. So um, you know, all the stuff I personally have seen uh so far, you know, and that was talked about on your site's coverage, Simone. Um, I look at that and I can tell that because I work with that stuff all the time. But I know for a fact that if I brought a play tester into my studio and asked them what the difference is from that, they wouldn't be able to tell me. So, um, you know, there's this life cycle that tends to happen, I think, that, you know, for those of us that buy systems that launch, you know, eventually uh, they die. Like my original PlayStation uh, 3 that would, you know, you could change the operating system on it and it was backwards compatible eventually that died a heat death so i i really feel like if you were that into like cutting edge um graphics do what the verge said like go get a really nice four or five hundred dollar uh graphics card for your mm-hmm. you know custom pc if you're really that into this uh but as far as you know is this worth it for the playstation i don't see a value there and i can't recommend it to people personally i, I can't either unless I mean, the only reason I would say this is if you have a very expensive, very high end 4K TV, because again, like, like, like my, like my $300 4K TV, 43 inches. Yes, it has HDR, but the HDR isn't great. So if you have, if you're testing it, you know, and, and we are even, 
Alex Kranz, Gizmodo's review editor, she's reviewing a pretty expensive 4K TV right now that has HDR, and it's having issues with the PlayStation 4. And we don't know if it's the TV or if it's the, the PlayStation, but even even in this case, I mean, and this is and not an expensive television. Like, this is one that's, you know, like probably like $1,000, and um, which the, at this point is, is not cheap, you know, um, for, for a TV and, and it's having some, um, uh, HDR issues. And so I don't know, I think if you have a really high end TV, if you spend a couple grand on it and you don't already have a PlayStation or you do have a PlayStation and you really want to get the most out of it, maybe it's worth looking at. But I think most people who have, you know, even if you have a 4k TV with HDR, it's, I don't think the difference is necessarily substantial enough if you already have a PlayStation 4 for you to go out and spend the money. I just don't. Mm-hmm. The big, the part of this that disappointed me the most was uh, about the just hard drive space. So the PS4 Pro has one terabyte. Um, and there are models of the base PS4 that, that come with one terabyte, but usually it has 500 gigabytes. And 500 is not enough, anyone with a few AAA games will tell you. And with games that have 4K assets, one terabyte becomes not enough very quickly. And that to me right. just, what a, what a problem. Like what a, what a simple problem. And I, I do, I do think, um, I believe this is the one where they made swapping out the hard drive, uh, easier, but I'd have to double check that, but I know you can't, uh, install uh, or it doesn't support external drives. Um, right. And, Which, um, I know on my PlayStation 4, the model that I have swapping out the hard drive would be a pain in the butt and could totally break the system. So that's, yeah. Why is it's that hard for me problem? to recommend. It's hard for me to recommend that, right? Like they do have the factory hard drive in there and you can roll a dice with it and, you know, it's probably going to be okay. But like, those are all your games, right? Like it's, yeah. I mean, PlayStation plus does allow you to upload your saves at least. So if it all goes down, you're, you're kind of okay if it's being backed up there. But yeah, um, I, I agree with that. And so on something, you know, my mind is not the sharpest today, maybe <laughs> uh, it didn't, it didn't note in the review where I saw it, anything about the interface speed being faster was, was that there? Did I just miss it? Because out of everything for the PlayStation um, operating system, like when I go back and use my PS3 nowadays, it's the lag when I'm like going, you know, going across the XMB bar and going to PlayStation 4. And it's still not great uh, for the I'm PlayStation 4. I'm scanning it right so now. Is and that I improved don't, at all? Uh, to yeah. remind myself, uh, I don't think he mentions <laughs> anything about that. I know the Wi Fi yeah. has been improved. Um, yeah. And yeah. just the general, like, I guess the the one difference that I've heard people say uh, when talking about 4K is that text does look crisper. And I think that's something that is easy to notice, especially if it's small text and you're able to read it more easily. Um, But yeah, I I know I certainly... um, And and Arthur like trained his eyes, like because he is really interested in this stuff. He like works very hard at noting differences and things like that. And even he says that the differences between 1440p and 4k are minimal. Whereas the difference between 1080 yeah. and 1440, that, that your eye can see, but the diff- the, the higher up you go closer to 4k, the more minimal it appears to you, even if it is obviously a, a difference. Um, so I, I guess for, for myself and for all regular consumers, the 4k thing probably it's just, it's not going to be that impressive, like you said. 
Yeah, yeah. I can say for me, we are going to upgrade uh, you know, my gaming system here at Casa de Wood this year. And we're not going to buy a PlayStation Pro. We're going to go buy a six or $700 TV that's huge. Uh, so, you know, we can see, uh, Gears of War 4 better from across the room. Like that to me is a, that is something that's worth it. This, this really looks like if you, I I think you nailed it, Christina. If you, it's not worth upgrading if you've already got a PlayStation 4. Um, if you have a good 4K TV, um, you know, consider getting this if you really want to get the most out of it. If mm-hmm. you don't, um, just take a pass. Like, I, I yeah, think the that's slim really I would there. upgrade. Like, if my PlayStation died, I would get the slim right now. That's what I would yeah. get rather yeah. than the PS4 yeah. Pro. Yeah, <laughs> I had that experience last night where I was trying to play a game on the TV in my bedroom. Uh, I was trying to play The Witcher 3. I literally had to like go stand in front of the TV because my TV is in my bedroom is so small and so far away oh. from my bed. It was. I, f- I felt like an eighty-year-old. No offense, eighty-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. that's how I, that's how I feel trying to play Civ Six on my uh, <sighs> monster PC in the in the den. Like it's great. It's super powerful and fluid, but I can barely read the text across the <laughs> So it is giant spectacles to put over your I eyes do. that stretch I all do. the way I mean, across the Kate room. Kate McKinnon like holds. Uh, you know her her. Glasses. I want you to have That'll like ten it. layers of spectacles at all least. Right. <laughs> I want you to be flipping them all down like one after the other, like a like an anime villain. I imagine and that, I that's that. what I picture you as. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. You can start building your website today at squarespace.com and enter offer code ROCKET at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. With easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you. Because if it is worth the effort, it's worth sharing with the world. Squarespace puts all the power you need in your hands and takes away the pain points like worrying about hosting or scaling or what to do if you get stuck with something. With Squarespace, you can build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level, no coding required. You'll easily be able to make your website look and feel exactly the way you want it to. Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology to power your site and ensure security and stability. They're trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world. Their site templates are simple and minimalist and stunning to look at, and they all feature responsive design to make your site look great on all sizes of devices. But there's a lot of other stuff too. Squarespace has features like 24-7 support with live chat and email with teams located in New York, Dublin, and Portland, and a commerce platform that allows anyone to add a store to their Squarespace site. Also, if you just want a one-pager, they have a feature called the cover page, which is a great-looking single-page website, exactly what you need to put yourself out there online. They have rock-solid fast hosting and so much more than that. So if you want to check out Squarespace today, plans start at just $12 a month, and you can enter offer code ROCKET at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. And also, you can do a free trial, no credit card required. Just go to the site and start tinkering around, build a website, and have a good time with it. Thank you so much, Squarespace, for sponsoring this episode of ROCKET and FM. Uh, lip reading is scary. (laughs) 
It's like so, basically uh, 2001 is here, Simone. No, listen, if you ever, if you've watched uh, Terminator recently and thought, wow, that computer Skynet, that's creepy, and then watched 2001 A Space Odyssey and hmm. thought, wow, that, that AI or that computer that could read lips is also creepy. What if I just mashed the two together and built a computer, a software program that could read lips and called it LipNet? And then you have Skynet and HAL just all in one sweet, warm, fuzzy software bundle. In all seriousness, this LipNet thing does look really cool. And I think it has some cool applications, uh, especially with regards to disability. But oh, my God, what a creepy name. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like Soylent, right? Like you don't want to put engineers or academics in charge of like coming up with names for these things. They're they're like, you know what movie I really love? It's... (laughs) <laughs> Freaking Soylent Green. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that the name of the movie? I'm forgetting. Or is it like freaking uh, Logan's Run? No, it's Soylent Green. Soylent is it, green. Wait, or is it, Christina? You know, yes, your it film is Soylent Green. Okay. Yes, yeah, it's it's Soylent Green's people. Okay. Yeah. That's why I thought. I was like, is that the product or the name of the movie? I honestly cannot yeah. remember. Yeah, good, good old classic so films there to name things after. So, you know, something we're really interested at in my studio is, um, you know, figuring this stuff out. And, um, you know, like, Christina, let's say you're sitting here in, in my office and we're talking. I'm picking up all kinds of, of cues from you, right? Eye contact. I can see your lips moving. I can get your body language. I can hear your tone. You know, for us understanding each other, um, you know, there's all these different sources of information that are coming out. Uh, but, you know, if you have Siri... Uh, it's definitely gotten much better uh, over the last few years, but it's still not as good as like a person talking. So, you know, it's not so much that uh, when I see this, I think like this is the future and that's going to be the only feature. But, you know, Oculus is working on versions of their um, of their rig right now that can scan your face and send it, uh, you know, across. Uh, HoloLens also has some really cool software doing this. So to me, when I think about really getting to the Star Trek future, that is is more accurate and more emotionally uh, attuned to what we're saying and doing. This is a really fundamental piece of that puzzle, and I think it's very interesting. And both of the academics that you know were kind of um, you know, displaying this tech were women. So I'm I'm curious what both of you think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. No. It is to me the the whole idea of the study that they they embarked on which was looking at how humans read lips and what makes it easier for us and then kind of applying that saying okay what computers need to be able to improve their lip reading is context like the context of a sentence the context of whether a word is long or short things like that and so they've created something that doesn't just look at the movements of your lips when you're saying that one word but also looks at what comes after that and what came before that to kind of contextualize and um, interpret what the words that you're actually saying are. That is so cool. And it this is like, as, as you know, y- you could go f- full Skynet and say, oh, it's creepy. The computers can understand us. But on the other hand, like, this is a technology that could, it, it's a way to bring us closer to the machines that we use every day in a way that is organic and kind of speaks that that is natural for us like speaking and making facial expressions and things like that that's natural to us like 
dictating monotone into my iPhone to get Siri to understand me is not a natural way to communicate with something. So the idea that facial movements could actually help us communicate better with our machines is a very cool one to me. No, I was just going to say it was the predictive part of it that I thought was so interesting, right? Like, Simone, mm-hmm. if you're talking to me and you say the word make, I can reasonably guess that the next two words to come out of you are it and weird, right? That's like, very true. Like, this is this is one, if you uh, go take Google's, uh, you know, Google has an online class about this. I've gotten through half of it and it's, it's really, really interesting. Like, they can show you how to hook up machines and start, like, getting them to start recognizing large libraries of information. And this is end-to-end a system that can determine this. So it's 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 really, really um, it, the stat I thought that was just so fascinating. It's like a human lip reader can only figure out 52% of the time. And this right. was, I think it was 93% accuracy. So, yeah, yeah, um, that's back yeah, to use a common phrase from the youth. What? <laughs> No, what I was going to say, though, is I think in addition to obviously like kind of the AI stuff that it could be useful for and and for machine stuff, I mean, just the fact that when you're talking about the hearing impaired and when we're talking about the deaf community and how this could be useful for for lip reading in in their world, because so many people who are deaf also read lips and they can understand a lot of that. uh, But to be able to have this sort of technology to be able to do better translations if they're in those worlds, too, this could be really, really cool um, for for helping more people um, understand. What, what what's yeah, being yeah. said without the need for a for a translator per se. And then maybe we'll put an end to the plot holes on TV where someone's like, Oh, I read lips. <laughs> I understood everything you just said. And and, and then that you don't have any idea. <laughs> I, I do 100% love that Seinfeld. accuracy. Although I do always love the, the the Seinfeld episode with Marley Matlin where they're trying to, you know, hold um things up to their lips so that she can't read lips and she still completely catches their entire conversation. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's good. And then Veep, which I was just watching last week, that lip reading photographer. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> so good. Um, but oh no God. more ban it. It's banned. No more, no more faking <laughs> lip reading. You guys, we have to, we, now that we know the truth about robots, we have to be mm. real about it. This episode of rocket is brought to you by Trekker. Uh, Tracker is a great little technology that you can attach to the things in your life that you lose every day, say your phone, your wallet or your purse, a bag, an umbrella, perhaps a power cord, things that you absolutely need to have with you, but sometimes you're not quite sure where you left them. And that can be really upsetting, no matter how many times you think you put them back exactly in the same spot every time. You don't know, where did I leave my umbrella? Is it in my purse right now? Did I leave it somewhere in my house? Is it at work in my file cabinet for some reason? Because that's a good place to put an umbrella. I don't know. Tracker helps you solve those problems. It's a coin-sized device that locates misplaced keys, wallets, bags, computers, even pets. Should you happen to misplace those, uh, you pair Tracker with your smartphone. You attach it to that item that you want to always have a handle on. 
and it will find its precise location with the tap of a button. You can even track up to 10 devices at once with your phone because we really do have that many things that we need. I mean, just that list that I read off right there, that's like half of that right there. So you can track more. There's always more that you can track. If you lose your phone, you can press a button on the tracker and your phone will chime even if it's on silent because obviously you don't want to like smack a big thing on your phone. You have that beautiful smooth case, but but you can still find your phone even if you lose it. Uh, with over 1.5 million devices, Tracker has the largest crowd GPS network in the world. So your lost item will show up on a map even if it is miles away, like my umbrella. And the Trapper, Tracker app records your lost item's last known location on a map. So when another Tracker user comes within 100 feet of the item, you'll receive a GPS update of the item's location. And then you can also personalize your Tracker with a laser-engraved message or custom-printed image so it can be unique and beautiful, much like our rocket trackers that we have. Oh, you yeah, can good maybe... job getting those to us, by the way, Simone. Yeah, Thank sorry, you. I'm the worst yeah. friend and co-host yeah. in the world. <laughs> but anyway, you could put like one on your pet's collar with your pet's name on it. Um, oh, you could print your social security number on your keys. No, don't do that. It was a joke. It was a, a goof in these dark times. Uh, never do that. Um <laughs> your face on your keys Uh, a picture of yourself being mad at yourself because you lost your keys again that's what you should print on the tracker that you attach to your keys Um, and it's enabled by bluetooth uh, so the battery lasts up to one year that's awesome so never lose your possessions again go to thetracker.com and enter offer code rocket to get a free tracker bravo with any purchase that is thetracker.com t-h-e T-R-A-C-K-R dot com. Offer code ROCKET with any purchase to get a free Tracker Bravo. So thank you so much, Tracker, for your support of the show and Relay FM. Thank you. Let's yeah. talk so, about... Wait, Simbo, if you ever give me the ROCKET Tracker, I, I oh, splurged God. on prescription sunglasses this week. Oh, you I want those? I put it in my case and make sure yeah, I never miss that's that. that's a good idea. So, that's good. It's so risky, right? Like the the really expensive sunglasses you buy, those are the ones you're gonna lose in like a week. So yeah, I don't I, know. I know. I I have I have a thing with that with Ray Bans where I'll like buy a pair and then I'll lose them. Um, and yeah, the tracker tracker would be be good for that. Sunglasses are the great bane of my existence. You either have none or you have too many. None sunglasses with left beef. So. Some interesting news for Fox's X-Men franchise and related films such as Deadpool. They're kind of in a jam because their big star, Hugh Jackman, not going to do any more movies after Logan. Brian Singer has left X-Men, which is great because he's a pedophile. Um, And (laughs) uh, he's an alleged, alleged Simone. An alleged pedophile. Alleged. Um, which is exactly what I said. We do not want to get sued. Um, and I mean, the big stars of the the popular and good X Men films, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Michael Fassbender, and James McAvoy, are probably not coming back unless they all come back together and Fox pays them a lot of money. So they're kind of in, I I don't know what blood magic Marvel studios did that Fox was not able to access. They clearly did not check out the right library books when they were angsty teens. Um, But Marvel Studios owns their actors and their firstborn children, and they're probably DNA. Uh, Fox has not quite made that dealio yet, and they're kind of in 
kind of figuring out. They're, they're, they're feeling things out. This is our fun topic today. So I don't know how you guys feel, but um, I X-Men are like my very, very favorite comic book. Um, you know, it's such a, a blatant allegory for gay rights. You know, it was just huge to me as a child. Um, and, and large, overall, I really have loved the last three X-Men movies. I mean, I realize Apocalypse wasn't the best, but I mean, did you, did you all think they were solid? I didn't see them, but I oh did see God, Deadpool. Simone. Sorry, no, yes. this is the great shame of my life is that I have not yeah. seen X-Men First Class, which everyone yeah. tells me is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, In between this and not getting my rocket tracker, like, I'm very upset with you I know, today, I so, know. I'm yeah. just failing yeah. you on every level, yes, every yes, way yeah. I can find to fail you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to drop the ball. I seriously yeah. need to send you that gosh darn tracker. <laughs> <laughs> I won't Christina, give it up without a saying? fight, Brianna. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You'll pry it out of my cold, dead hands. So, sorry. Yes. Um, no, I've heard so many good things about these films. I think, I mean, I guess one thing that X-Men First Class um, did well, so I've heard, is just going back deep into those three characters specifically, which have, which we've seen in multiple other X-Men films played by totally different people. We know that there's history there, but it showed us that history and it did it in a satisfying way. All the movie studios are in trouble right now. It's interesting what's happening with Fox. The Deadpool stuff is honestly more concerning to me than any of the That was honestly uh, surprising to me because that movie was so well received and successful. Yeah. And, and that's, that to me is is more concerning what they're going to do with with a Deadpool uh, versus um, you know the X Men stuff because at this point can we be can we be real and say I mean I think that the the reboot the first class of those have been pretty good but I'm kind of over X Men I'm kind of over the franchise and like yeah they would need to do a total reboot I think for me to be into it but then they've kind of dug themselves into a hole in that respect because exactly those they can't, three actors they've... are so popular in those roles. See, I I was thinking about this. You know, the really hot reboot comic that came out, uh, it was Brian Brian Michael Bendis did this. It's all new X-Men. It's a really, really, really interesting um, X-Men comic. Uh, What happens is they pull the modern X-Men, like go back in time and get the X-Men from the 60s, and pull that version of Cyclops and Jean Grey and Iceman and Beast into the present. And like the current version of Cyclops is really fracked up. Like he's part of like, you know, why Professor X was dead. And, uh, you know, like Jean Grey is dead. And, um, you know, like Iceman is trying to come out as gay and he can't accept himself. Um, so like these past versions uh, meet their adult versions and are just utterly horrified by it and it's a, a fantastic com- comic with great art but they can't go in that direction as successful as that comic is is because it's so similar to x-men first class right uh, yeah like we just saw a comic book series that was all about that so you ask yourself what are the really other good x-men comic book properties um you have x-factor there are two really successful versions of this one is when um kind of the original x-men went their own way and had adventures like fighting apocalypse that's not really going to work here because it's what we've seen so many times and then you have like um you know peter uh what's his name's uh version of x-factor which was kind of this quirky funny version of x-factor 
you know, it's hard to imagine that working. So then you've got like New Mutants um, and then X-Force. You know, X-Force is a really, really, really strong X property. Uh, you know, it's very much um, a product of the 90s with this move towards hyper-violent comics. And, you know, it brings these X-Men out uh, like Cable that just have no compunction about killing people mm-hmm. uh, or chopping their heads off or their hands off. And it's brutal. And it's it's made by Rob Liefeld. And they're, they're very, very good comics. Uh, but it's hard to... I don't know. It's it's hard to really see that single-handedly saving the X franchise. So I kind of feel like they pan themselves into a corner because like you said, Christina, like um, they've kind of told all the really great X-Men stories at this point. Some of them very badly, like yeah. the Phoenix Saga. <laughs> some of them badly, some of them well. Yeah, and yeah. and I think that unless it, with all the good actors basically being done when that makes complete sense, I mean, why you know, you... you at this point, when you do a movie like this, you commit a huge amount of time, and that you know prevents the actors from doing work that they might want to do, and and it gets them into to other stuff. And like you know, you want to move on at a certain point. Um, I I understand uh, making it without them would be difficult, and then but but as you said, you know, rebooting from the ground up is hard too because we haven't been away from the characters long enough to even miss them. So unless it's like a a different universe, I don't, I don't even know how that would work. And then as you, but, but you make a great point. They've told so many of the good stories. I don't know. I feel like this is one of those things where if if you can't do it, just let it go. Let let it, let let it, let it go for a while because we kind of saw this with Spider-Man a little bit, right? Like (laughs) we're getting yet another Spider-Man, which is ridiculous. I'm, I'm sorry, but it's, it's, it's stupid. Um, like, you know, there was supposed to be a Spider-Man 4, and then what happened was, uh, uh, what's his face, the director um, from, from the Tommy Wire films, uh, what's, his, what's, his, what's his name? You know, he directed Evil Dead. Anyway. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, George Romero, no. Um, no, this is going to kill me. Um, it's oh, going to kill me. have people writing us to Sam Raimi. Yeah. Yes. yes. So Sam Raimi got into an argument with the studio about making uh, Spider-Man 4 and and, and they'd had it cast. They had a villain. They had the whole thing. And and then Sony was like, actually, we'll just cancel the movie. (laughs) Okay, fine. And so then a few years later, Andrew Garfield shows up and then we have The Amazing Spider-Man. And it wasn't really a necessary movie because, you know, uh, Spider-Man had only come out like nine years earlier or, or something like that or less than that. And it was like, well we kind of didn't need this, but okay. We had three of those, but it was fine. Amazing Spider-Man was at least sort of interesting. And then you had Amazing Spider-Man 2, which was like not a good movie and flopped. And so then Andrew Garfield was kind of a butt and and didn't really, he was like, well, I don't want to be Spider-Man anymore. And they were like, well, good, you're not Spider-Man anymore. So now we're going to try like a third time. And it's like, did did we really need three Spider-Men in like 15 years? I don't think so. And so I, I kind of wonder like with, with X-Men, I mean, I get that Fox wants to get all their money's worth because it's like the one Marvel property that like that was well, one of the few Marvel properties that like Disney doesn't own. So I get it that like they're like, hey, we, we've got this Marvel franchise. We're not giving it up with without a fight. Like I understand from a financial standpoint how that works. But from a creative standpoint, I just feel like they're done. Yeah. It's like what they need is time to to take off and just let it cool for a few years, but exactly. you can't they be sure can't. that the superhero trend will be back. You're uh, will still be around I, by the time they can come back. I think you can be sure of I think you can be sure of that. I think the more the, the the bigger problem honestly and this just comes down to money is that if they were to let it go dormant, then there would be the possibility that Disney would be able to buy 
up. Oh, that's true. The the the, um, the, the movie rights. And at that point, because really that's what Disney wants, is they will eventually want to get everything under all the Marvel things under Disney. So they make all the money off of all the things. Um, and, and Fox is like, well, <laughs> no, we, we kind of have this, this thing going here. Sorry. And, but, but back to Deadpool, that's what makes that so, I guess, disappointing is, is all the, you know, talks of, you know, uh, problems of disagreements, you know, with the director and Ryan Reynolds. What and, happened? You know, I think of Ryan Reynolds as such a chill guy, but yeah, creative differences uh, yeah. with him and Tim Miller. What was it about? I mean, I don't know. And, and we don't, I mean, who knows? I mean, I think at a certain point, both parties probably feel like they played a big role in the success of the film. And they did, you know, Ryan Reynolds definitely should be applauded for not only being like the perfect star for the film, but he really shepherded it, the script, the whole thing and helped to get it made and really pressured, you know, worked hard, you know, using his position as an actor to get that done. And, but, but Tim Miller did a, a great job, especially in the budgets he's been given, who knows what happened between them personally, but the fact that, um, that's not happening, I think, uh, doesn't bode well for the sequel. Certainly, I mean, there have been there have been counterexamples where you've had, you know, um, for a sequel, the, the stars and the director not get along, have you know the director replaced and, and have it move on and be be good, and and and, and the sequel's been fine. Uh, you've also had instances, you know, like uh, I don't know, you know, the the Batman franchise. <laughs> the uh, what? When, uh, <laughs> the, the the original Batman franchise, so the Tim Burton franchise. So at the end of After Batman Returns, Tim Burton and and um, um, Michael Keaton apparently kind of didn't get along, and and, and Michael Keaton was like, "Well, I'm not going to come back for a third film." And Burton was supposed to then come back for for Batman Forever, and then he didn't. He got into a whole tiff with with I guess Warner Brothers, and then Joel Schumacher took over, which obviously was not good. And and Val Kilmer was Batman, and that was not good. That was better than Batman and Robin, but only just so. Uh, we at least got the Seal song out of it. That was about the only good thing that happened out of Batman Forever. Um, Batman and Robin has nothing to show for itself. So I don't know. I always get concerned when you're two, you know, your biggest star, your the face of your character and your director who's done a good job when they're not able to work together. It's like, I don't know. I, I, I'll feel better if they can get the script down. Like we can feel com- – because the script was so good with Deadpool. If, if you know, if the script is good and they have a competent director, I think it'll be all right. But it's still one of those things that just makes you go, come on, can't we all just get along and, and make a great sequel? I mean, it felt like I, you know, Deadpool was a, at the time, was a really big risk, right? Like kind of bringing an R-rated comic book movie uh, out. And, kind of, it was like, but it was like a $50 million budget. But, right, it was lower budget. And you remember when they released that, you know, the original footage of, uh, you know, Deadpool leaping off the building, having that fight inside of the car. You know, I read that as very much uh, people inside the studio trying to, you know, basically get public buy-in for mm-hmm. it. And now that it's been so mega successful, it's easy for me to imagine, you know, when there's more money involved and there's a lot more success on the line, I can just see that being the point that, uh, you know, those personalities really, um, totally, really, really come down and get and get stressed out. I, I think it's worth saying, though, if you look at the Deadpool comics, um, you know, Deadpool doesn't have the equivalent of a, a Phoenix saga, right? Like, there's no, like, Deadpool stories there's some really good stories like when you know teams out with cable or spider-man but there's no like really truly great arc that we're looking for with that so i think i think it's really interesting to guess where they're going to go with the next one because they've kind of established this offbeat uh you know kind of in jokey character 
um, I, I kind of don't know where they go from here. That's not repeating that. It's almost the opposite problem that the X-Men movies have had. Yeah. And, and, you know, Christian, this, this ties into what you were talking about. Um, you know, I remember for Spider-Man 3, and they just threw in oh, Venom yeah. in, a, in like a side, <laughs> a, a side uh, thing. You Peter Parker. Because why right. not? So Venom is, like, that story is one of the all-time greats of Spider-Man, as is Carnage. And that easily should have been a whole movie. But they just threw it in to kind of, you know, amp up the story. And that's something the X-Men movies are very much guilty of. Like in the last X-Men movie, they threw in Barry Windsor Smith, um, you know, his Weapon X uh, a comic from Marvel Presents. Yeah, they have all these great storylines. And rather than build whole movies of them, they just kind of half-ass them. Look at the way they did Psylocke. I mean, she's an amazing character. She barely got screen time in the last movie. So I don't know. I think that it's like this, it's, it's really a train wreck. This just like <laughs> for, through mismanagement. It's really, it's just a point where it's, it's not good for anyone. Yeah. Well, holding out hope for Deadpool, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm holding out hope. And, and I think that as long as the script is okay, I think that, mm-hmm. Deadpool's the sort of thing you're right, Brie. I think I'm not as familiar with the comics. I've read some of them. They might not have the the great story arc stuff. I don't think that it has to. I think that that's kind of the nice thing about Deadpool. I think that's why it did so well. I think it was counter programming to the rest of the genre, where the rest of the genre is trying to kind of tell these bit these these really big epic stories and trying to kind of draw people into you know these these multiverse things. If you're talking about the the, the Disney Marvel stuff, or or trying to like make like bigger socio uh, political uh, kind of statements, like like the X Men films have done and and tell those 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 deeper stories and i think the deadpool by being kind of irreverent it doesn't kind of have to do that i think that's counter programming that we kind that we frankly need a little bit in in the superhero genre you're totally right because think about deadpool deadpool could pick a fight with anyone and it would be a fun story but with x-men like there has to be something moral and moral to galvanize them into action with with so many of these characters especially the larger cast of characters to get many of them involved in a way that's satisfying for the audience it needs to be like a big conflict but with deadpool deadpool could like I don't know, trip over something in the street and you you could spin a story out of that. I don't know. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Movement Watches, uh, which are very beautiful. And I'm going to link them to you, my lovely coworkers, right now. Movement was founded on the belief that style should not break the bank. So Movement is trying to make high-quality, minimalist watches at revolutionary prices. And frankly, they have accomplished the goal. Go home, everyone. These are beautiful minimalist watches at very revolutionary, affordable prices. So I have, I have one of these watches. I have one because they sent it to me. Um, so I, it was so freaking hard to choose. So you guys will see it because you're going to go to the website. You're going to go to uh, movementwatches.com slash rocket. That's M-V-M-T watches.com slash rocket. And look at these beautiful freaking watches i spent probably a whole day like staring at them and going i could have any of them ultimately i chose uh the abbott kinney watch which is like a a white uh leathery band with a gold uh watch um and then uh, this particular watch has what looks in the picture like a white face but it's actually a very like subtle opal sort of um sort of sheen to it it's really beautiful um 
I, I love this watch. It makes me feel super, super classy. And there are lots of other ones. So there are ones with um, the, the metal bands as well. Uh, the Hermosa is one that I'm looking at right now because it's all yeah. rose gold with that. Like, I was looking at the, I the Milanese at loop kind of. I kind of love that. I kind of yeah. want the Hermosa. That's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Oh, God. So, I just Christina, can we talk honestly here for a second? Yeah, sure. Do you, when you're dressed up, do you still wear your Apple Watch? Because I've come to the point where I I don't. If I'm going to be on television, I just I I have the yeah the stainless steel aluminum with the Milanese loop, and I just I don't think it looks good. I don't think it looks classy. So I would I would absolutely buy one of these to wear instead. Yeah, I would probably depend. Like if I were going like out to like a gala or something, I probably wouldn't. Um, for TV, I have the. Um, uh, classic, not the classic buckle. I have the uh, the leather. Uh, I have whatever the the leather clasp one is, but the, the expensive two hundred fifty dollar band. I've got yeah, that. I know that one. And I have yeah. that in, in in light pink and in jaybird blue, and that looks really nice. And I like how that looks, so I don't mind going on TV with that. But if I were you know dressing up in like a fancy uh, you know outfit and and going you know, like I said like a gala or, or or dinner or something, probably not. Yeah, yeah. No, these these really look nice. The great uh, thing, really like good. the watch that I got, uh, is only one hundred and fifteen dollars, and it's just it's really pretty. Like it's for me, watches are watches are pure fashion items. Um, obviously, this watch also tells the time, which is a great quality for a watch to have. But for me, it's just like having that lovely gold accented thing that I thirst for on my wrist, and looking at it and feeling super classy and feeling cool and like I'm a put together New York lady. That's how I feel when I wear the watch and I look at it uh so these watches uh the company was started by two broke college kids that wanted stylish watches without spending buttloads of money um so the watches start at 95 dollars uh the more expensive ones on this page are not that expensive even they go up to i think like 125 something like that um yeah, a variety of styles i think they're all beautiful i had the hardest time choosing um so way cheaper than you might spend at other watch stores and they sell direct online. So again, cutting out the markup that you would see in a retail store, uh, you too could spend hours thinking about what kind of watch you want to have on your classy wrist. And they also have men's watches. I should mention we've been talking about the women's watches because, uh, that's important for reasons. Frankly, <laughs> well, frankly, there aren't a lot of like good looking women's watches that are at these price points. So frankly, we're yeah. not, and, and we're, and we're, we're three women. So we're talking about the women's Darn watches, right. but they also have men's watches. Uh, with a lot of classic designs, they also yeah, have these sunglasses. men's watches are really yeah, cute too. Look at the guys' watches; like these are these yeah, are stylish. I might get one of these, I could get one not, of these for Grant. Yeah, do you know what I mean? When like a God, watch these are is stylish. Yeah, like it's kind of overdone, and you're like, eh, like this is cute. This is cute. I would, I, I would like this if a guy were wearing this. this. Yeah, Rosewood no, my husband watch is so beautiful. Which one? The rosewood one. Voyager 42 millimeter Rosewood watch. Yeah, that is really nice. God, that's okay. Focusing. (laughs) So I actually, I, I, the whole process of receiving this watch felt super classy to me. It came in like this lovely, like black box that I slid open and my beautiful watch was there with like the plastic that I got to peel off the watch face. I was like an ASMR star on YouTube. Um, it, it didn't really take long to break in. Like I, I usually have a, a middle band watch that I wear, but this is, this was the like leathery band and it was fine. It's now like formed to, to my wrist instead of, you know, because it, it comes um, 
like flat. It comes as a flat thing. And then so you kind of have to bend it to your wrist a bit. But um, now it fits my wrist perfectly. It is gorgeous. Uh, everyone in my office is super jealous about it. I, I actually I made them help me choose because I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. And I literally I so I linked them to the page. I was like, I want either this one, this one or this one. I had narrowed down to three. And they were like, Okay, but what about this other one? What about this other one? I was like, guys, no, please. <laughs> I had it narrowed down to three. Let me live. That was hard enough to do. So if you should check out these watches. Go to movementwatches.com slash rocket. That's M-V-M-T watches.com slash rocket. Uh, because you're a listener of the show Rocket, you'll get 15% off with free shipping and free returns at that website that I just named. Um, so thank you to Movement Watches for supporting the show and Relay FM. I'm going to wear you in the future. I've worn you in the past. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm going to get the, the money from them sponsoring us, and then it will go straight back to buying <laughs> something from their site. That's the worst thing with sponsors. Like, that happens to me all the time. I know. Like, I'm like, oh. <laughs> what a good product you have. Would be a shame right. if I spent all my money on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Shoot, this blue face oh. one with the brown. Li- okay, anyway. What are what are you up to this week, Bree? Well, um, you know, I put off surgery um, a week to go cover Hillary Clinton winning the presidency, um, which was a huge mistake. I could be completely high on OxyContin today. And you will legally, be very soon. Legally, and I will be very soon. Um, so honestly, um, guys, like, we're going to have a whole show this week on disruption uh, that's just about you know, dealing with the election and the loss from that. Georgia is a therapist. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be doing that. And for myself, yeah, I hate the phrase self care. Cause it's just so it just, it it's, it's yeah. not a phrase I like. Uh, but honestly, I'm going to veg out tomorrow and play a lot of Civ six and final fantasy. And I'm just, you know, when, when you get to a certain age, you learn to like deal with bad news. And part of it is just to, let yourself be shocked for a few days before you get back to work. Um, and, you know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to grovel and eat cheetos on my couch. So really living that career, Simone. Yep. That sounds really good. What about you, Christina? Uh, I'm doing a bunch of reviews, some things I can't talk about. Um, and that's kind of <gasps> what, what I'm doing for for the rest of the weekend. My, my birthday is actually on Saturday. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday. Um, yeah. Um, I wish I could be more excited about it, uh, but that'll be fine. Um, so, yeah, I've got a bunch of review stuff, and I'm also doing some some head-to-head battles between phones and laptops and things like that. So just busy with a lot of other stuff. Um, I would also uh, encourage people to uh, to Google Snakes on a Plane Gizmodo to see the best <gasps> oh, oh, headline. that's going that in the show so links. To, 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 to oh read the best God. headline I've ever written in my entire life. Did they did they find out how it got on the plane? I want to do the story, but there's, there's no there's not no like information. A lot of stuff to it. It's yeah. not clear. This was snake snuck onto a plane and in, in, in Me- going to Mexico City, and someone caught it on camera, and it was great. Um, slash terrifying. Uh, not really, not really sure. Um, I mean, apparently it was confiscated after the fact. It, the way that it looked, I'm, I I bet it was in someone's luggage. I bet it was like a a pet, and it was in someone's luggage. Although you never know. There was apparently a, a snake that that snuck onto a Qantas flight. A few years ago. Anyway, um, we'll put it in the show notes, but, but best headline I've ever written in, in my entire life. Yes, um, and for reasons we cannot say it on the show, but you will appreciate say it, it on the show when but, you but it's open a great it without headline. small children around. It's really art. It's yeah. really art. 
Uh, I I don't even know what I'm doing for the, the rest of the week. Um, just continuing to write and continuing to make videos. Um, I've got a lot of a lot of editing and writing to do this month. I'm tr- I was trying to do NaNoWriMo, but I hoo Oh boy, buddy. Oh boy. Um, that's not happening for me. <laughs> so yes, I will be in bed in the dark with candles lit as I have been for the last day so <laughs> where can we find you online brianna uh space cat gal on the twitter machine you can find me at film underscore girl on the twitters the instagrams the snapchats etc cool uh you can find my videos online youtube.com slash polygon you can find me on twitter at doom quasar i probably won't be back there for a while as i have deleted all social media from my phone but (laughs) i'll be back eventually and have a great week uh take care of yourselves (laughs) just a great just have a seriously everybody take care of themselves and yeah yeah we love you all yes this episode of rocket is terminated terminated